Welcome to the Bearded Tits podcast, the nature-based show hosted by me, Jack Perks. Each week I'm joined by a guest from the world of wildlife television, art and science. We take a light-hearted look into what makes these people tick and connect with the natural world so strongly, with new episodes out every Tuesday. In today's episode, I'm having a chinwag with Chris Yates. Chris is an angler preferring to use more traditional techniques and is well known for being part of Hugh Miles' passion for angling, as well as catching the Bishop, a former UK record carp. Chris is also a brilliant writer and naturalist, and we spoke for hours about birdwatching after the podcast. I have to thank Hugh Miles for setting this up, as it was all part of a fundraiser for Britain's Hidden Fishers, and all in all was a fabulous day. Now if you can, there's a link in the description to buymeacoffee.com, and you can help the podcast by donating £3 to keep it going. We don't have any sponsors, I don't do the podcast for money, but it just helps tick it along. If you could also leave a review, that really, really helps the podcast out. Whatever platform you're listening to, Spotify, iTunes, Carrier Pigeon, however you're doing it, chuck us a review, that helps us out massively. We talk about what British record fish Chris would want to beat now, the mysterious burbot, and put some listeners' questions to him. Here's our chat. Well, welcome to the podcast, Chris. Delighted to be here on this sunny afternoon. That's it. So we're at, I've got to remember the name of the lakes now. Is it Pinnock? Pinnock Lakes? Yes, it's, Pin- it's Pinnock Lakes at Edmondson. And we're catching tension, well, we're with people catching tension crucians anyway, overseeing it. We're overseeing them. Yeah, I'm gillying. Yeah, that's I'm right. I'm gillying and tea making. Yeah, and you're doing, well, I was just about to say you're doing a good job of tea making, but you forgot. But I forgot the essential items. <laughs> of cups. So we could see you do the kettle, but mm. not mine. But, but, but luckily the, the day, yeah, we, we have to reassure everybody, we, we, uh, the day was saved. With, with Hugh, Hugh Miles yeah. came to the rescue with, mm. with cups, so we were, mm. we were all right. But we're going to talk about a few things with your past career and, and everything that you've done. I think we can't, we can't do a podcast without mentioning a certain carp that mm-hmm. some people may be familiar with. So when you caught the, the 51-pounder, was it your intention to catch the British record or was it more of a happy accident? Yeah, probably an, a happy accident because I think, I think I, I can say honestly that I was the only person in the syndicate who didn't dream all the time yeah. or think that they were going to catch uh, or want to catch uh, a record carp. Of course, every carp angler likes the idea of a monster, but it wasn't that wasn't my focus. No, I just loved being at Redmire. It was a great place to fish, and and the thought that these monsters were there in front of you yeah. that was good enough yeah and i and although i did catch a you know a huge common a few years um, seven years before i got the, the 51 it was nearly it 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 just almost made 44 yeah but not quite and i'm glad it didn't because it was a bit spawny and um, it didn't it uh, it didn't look like a sort of one of the pristine commons that was there so i was quite glad that it didn't make that figure otherwise everyone would have been um, saying that's that's not a proper record which it wasn't no it was a no, lot no. of spawn in it. full of eggs yeah so um but even so i i still wasn't um so i was quite pleased that, that wasn't over the top because it wasn't part of that wasn't my ambition no no, no that's fair enough and obviously you were kind of obsessed with carp then but you've got this great love for all kinds of species and including crucians today so if you could break any fish record now what would it be oh, i'd have to be the gudgeon would it really? Oh, we were talking about oh, yeah. this earlier, weren't we? Uh, yes, yes. It's in fact, I, I did think that I would go on a mission one one season and just fish for nothing but gudgeon. Okay. Because especially because the um, the River Nadder, which is not far from me, 
that flows from the chalk hills near where I am. It's sort of like there's a mixture of chalk and, and green sand hills and, and it flows easterly to Salisbury and then joins the Avon. And it's not crystal clear like a chalk stream because it's got this green sand in it and apparently it's it's just the ideal habitat for gudgeon. Right. And that produced a six and a half ouncer. Uh, wow. A few, few years ago, um, <laughs> which I think is the current, or was the current, was the record when I it's was around that. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. And so I did go gadget fishing there quite a lot. I never caught a six and six That's and it. three quarter ounce. That's got to be at least the size of your hand or something, mm. isn't it? It's a, yeah. You know, God, I mean, that, that would take you several hours to land. <laughs> <laughs> Might even mm. need the net for it. Yeah, perhaps. I'm sure you would. Yeah. <laughs> and. One of the great things today is when we, we, we sat talking when you first arrived and we, we saw a hobby, we've mm. seen bullfinch and things like mm. that, and I'd say you're a marvellous mix of naturalist and angler, but do you think there's a bit of a disconnect between the two now? Because often people see, oh, there's the fisherman, there's the naturalist, whereas surely there's no reason why you can't be both. But I think you have to be a naturalist. To yeah. be, to be a, um, to be a na- I, I hate to use the word successful. Not so much successful, but pr- um, proficient. Yeah. You, know, to be, you, you have to be an observer. I mean, you could be like a carp angler who just, you know, buys um, ready-made rigs and ready-made baits and just casts out uh, his his multiple rods and sits back. That's that's not. Doesn't matter whether you know about nature or, or whether you're interested in nature. You you you'll catch fish eventually. But yeah. that, that's hardly that's hardly an entertaining day no. day out, is it? By no. the Especially if when you buy water, which is such a good habitat for all sorts of things. Yeah. Like today, my main concern today is not. Crucian carp or tench, it's it's finding a grass snake. Yeah, this is this is obviously a great habitat for grass snakes, but I've not seen one today. No, I mean, so I'm looking. The sun's just coming out now. There's some mm. lovely patches through the glades, and you can just imagine a grass snake just curled up, mm. poking his head out, thinking about a frog or two. So, and and I, and I think that the the point about you know, one, wanting to see these things, or not wanting to see these things, hoping to see these things, it shows that the that that environment you're in, the place where you're fishing is real yeah where things are happening these are real things going on little dramas are going on all the time and it makes the whole experience more complete when you yeah. catch the fish you've caught part of that environment and it and it's um it's that that is the satisfying part of fishing yeah yeah definitely I mean, look at jack hargreaves and that was the kind of, was it out of town or mm. where they'd be a mixture yeah. of bird watching then he'd go That's fishing right. a little bit which I, mm. I don't think you'd really see that now apart from maybe a a nice cutaway of a, of a mallard or yeah, something if you're lucky right. that's yes. about it yeah. there's no uh, no reason so sticking on that theme what, what's the best wildlife sighting you've had while you've been fishing then I have to say um, winter perch fishing and, and seeing a male hen harry go by oh fantastic because I'm, I'm very much a fan of hen harries nowadays I think they're otherworldly b- birds they're, they're so ethereal when you see them so ghost like and I was fishing with a good friend of mine Kev um, Kevin Do you hear that buzzard then? That yeah, yeah, yeah. There we sorry, are. sorry to interrupt There's a raptor. you. But yeah. No, no, that, that raptor was interrupting us. Yeah, yeah, it he heard. Good. I know great. that hen harrier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen that hen harrier. Not this time of year, but in winter. And, and yeah, I just there were two buzzards holding up yeah. above a hill to our right, and they've been holding, sort of, obviously not hovering because they, well, they do they do hover into wind sometimes, yeah. buzzards. But then we saw another bird going past them and. And there was, and his brother-in-law was Ben. was with us too, and we all said, or more or less, the same moment. That's a male hen harry, and the yeah. males are like, they're the flash harries. Yeah, they're, they they are fantastic looking. They don't look quite real. They look exotic. 
and they're very, very graceful. Anyway, it just floated by. Yeah, it's yeah. still a bird I'm yet to see. Yeah. I would love to oh, see it. Just, I'll get there. I'll get mm. there. I will get one eventually. You know, there's there's so many bits and bobs we could talk about, but one one of the bits of work that you have done, which caught my eye, was that fantastic radio documentary you did about Burbert. <laughs> yes. I think, is it? Um, yeah. Was it the curious case of the Burbert or something like that? Yeah. It, it, yes, I think it was. The, it was the the case the case of the. Was it a lost? God, I should remember. It, <laughs> I should I, know it. It was my, it was my title. The, the, um, it wasn't a stolen burbot, it was the lost burbot, I think. Okay. Yeah, it was the case of the lost burbot. So what what drew you to do that about burbot? You know, when something obvious like pike or salmon or whatever, why why kind of draw attention to this this freshwater cod? Well, I'd always been intrigued, as uh, even as a, as a teenager, because I had a... Um, an album of coarse fish. Yeah. Uh, the Brook Bond album of coarse fish was, I think, most of my contemporaries at that time. They're all so aged about 14, 15. And you get these, lo- they were lovely watercolours in um, in your peachy tips. And come, I'm getting another packet of, I want to get the full <laughs> set. Anyway, and, and the burbot was the, the weirdest thing. And mm. I just thought that's intriguing. I was, it was fascinated by yeah. just the look of it on the card. And obviously I'd seen a picture of it in the Observer's Book of Fish which was another one of my uh, uh, small library of fishing books when I was a youngster, but they gradually grew. And then I read a re- really interesting account of how they used to be common in the Cam in Cambridgeshire. And, um, and then they obviously were in the Thames. Um, not, I think they were, they were meant to be in the Thames at the beginning of the, the 20th century. Don't forget, I am a 20th century person, so yeah. I, I get all these stories about... And yeah. I thought, I want, to, I want to know more about this yeah. weird... And they're only meant to feed at night. Right. So eight, I think eight and a half pounds. Okay. Well, what was the record? You know, people kept records then. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, that's good, because at that time, the record chub was eight and a half pounds, and the record tench was eight and a half pounds. There you go. I thought, this is a mystical number. There's, that's it. There's something, and yet I know no one who's caught a burbot. So that's I thought, this, this one day I'm going, to, I'm going to find a place I want to catch one of these fish and see what it's really like. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's where the programme came from, because, of course, I never did catch one. No. So do you think there are any out there? Or? Well, we met um, when we were exploring the, the Derwent, where the last burbot we discovered had been caught. There was a man called Jimmy Beale. He was a farmer up there. And apparently, um, we were told he's a lovely character. Go and talk to him; he'll remember because he used to catch burbot. He used to be sent out by his mother. This is in the 30s yeah. to catch burbot for tea because they're very good eating. And sure enough, he sat in his big armchair in this lovely Yorkshire accent. And, and uh, God, I, I was trying to do a Yorkshire accent, then it came out as like like Dorset. <laughs> <laughs> so I won't very do similar. York, I won't do a, a Yorkshire accent. And uh, have you got any burbot, lad? Have you got any burbot, lad? No, th- yeah, that's probably what they would sound like. That's but gross. anyway, yeah, he did remember catching these burbot, and and he caught them up to the sort of early sixties. Okay. Um, when he was man. perch fishing, he might catch one or two, you know, up to about a pound and a half. Yeah. He said. Well, there are. I mean, you might already know this, but there are plans to reintroduce them. Mm. They are afoot, and I know. I think the Wissy in Norfolk is where they're aiming to start with. But fingers crossed. Oh, well, the Wissy would have been a native river. Yeah, they would they? have been there. Yeah. And there's, yeah. there's some MOD land, so there's no fishing there. They're just hoping mm. they get established and then mm. and then move out. But I, I have actually seen a burp. They tried to reintroduce them in 2007. Mm-hmm. And I remember before I took up filmmaking, I was going to do fisheries, and I quickly realised that was not going to work. But they were breeding these burp, and this um, the guy who was running it showed me this adult burp. It must have been about five pounds. It's mm-hmm. female. 
Oh, and it was good pre- fish. Oh, it's prehistoric looking. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Mm. I remember it vividly now, the drips coming off its beard. A bit like mm. me, a bit mm. like us, Chris, with mm. our beard. Yeah, just big, yes. yeah. big chunky beard. But yeah, just the drips coming off mm. them. And it was mm. just incredible. But who I, knows? I have caught a bird, but... Have you actually? Oh, somewhere else? In, yeah. in Norway. Oh, through okay. a hole in the ice. Oh, fantastic. So I can say I'm an Englishman who's caught a bird. There you go, which is a small list, I would think. Mm. And, and But the, the greatest thing was that I... I knew that Burbot were in this lake, but we were fishing for Arctic char. Okay. And it was for a, a Norwegian film company and um, TV company. And I hooked this fish and I thought, this isn't pulling like a char. Yeah. And, and it's like fishing in a, in a bottomless bucket, you know, when, when you're ice fishing. A little stupid rod. Yeah. And yet you've got 40 foot of water underneath you. Or actually, there was about 60 foot of water underneath this. And gradually this thing came up and... I thought, oh my God, it's a bourbon. <laughs> and this cry went up because the crew knew I was a bit mad about it yeah. when they told me that there are, uh, there are also a few burbot in this lake. So you never know. And then everyone came rushing over to see this yeah. burbot. And it was about, I don't know, I don't think it was quite a pound. No, but it, it had doesn't that, matter, does it, it? It was a bit like a, you know, the, the, um, it was a bit like an eel in its, the, the skin was, you know, smooth and... and okay. T- and... Well, cross between an eel and a tench. It had that right. kind of feel about it. Lovely face. Yeah, they are. They're, they're special mm. fish, aren't they? Mm. I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see if they come back. It will mm. be. Will be good. I'd be remiss if I didn't at least mention passion for angling once. And I mean, I can, I can just see Hugh over your shoulder. He's fishing for for tench now. But when Hugh approached you with the idea and you know called passion for angling, what were your first thoughts? You like, oh, this. This sounds quite nice. Or were you hesitant? Or? I, I raised an eyebrow. Did I you? Remember. Yes, and then, <laughs> then the eyebrow went down again. I thought, no, that's going to take, it's going to be, it's going to be too busy. But um, he, he'd got in touch with me because he'd read my first book, Casting at the Sun. And that's, he just, uh, he, he enjoyed the book so much. He said he, he was looking to make a film about fish. He did, he did start to make a fishing film with Dick Walker. Ah, okay. Um, and he'd, he'd done a few... Yes, he's done a few days with him, and then of course Dick got ill, and um, but um, towards the end, and uh, towards that time, and um, yeah, so it was a little while before uh, we, we we were talking about it for a while. Yeah. Maybe it was probably eighty six, something like that. Eighty seven, eighty seven. Hey, no, the book was published in eighty six, so it would have been eighty seven. He got in touch with me. Yeah, and then then it gradually snowballed you know, it, it became <laughs> into chaos you know, it, yes yes it, it, it became a disaster <laughs> because we had to do the bloody thing yeah that's it <laughs> oh well I, I put out some feelers for questions uh, from from other um yates fans who who've got in touch i'm going to read out a few of them and i tried to pick more interesting ones so we'll, we'll see how these go so mm. uh, andy roberts asks What's Chris's experience of fishing for wildies and how important does he think they are to the heritage of carp angling? Well, I, most people know that I, I have a big soft spot for wildies because they were the first carp I, yeah. I fished for. And, um, and yet, I think there is a, a case to make that, that wildies as, as people sort of regard them they, they don't really exist as wild mm. they, they're not a separate species no 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 um so they're mostly the reason they look like wild carp you know long and lean is because they're in fairly um remote places that haven't had much in, in fairly poor waters so they're not going to grow very big uh, although although now and again you do see some that are are sort of they they might be long but they're also very muscular and very and 
but I just think it was the fact that they were remote places, the, 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 the proper, what I'd call a proper wildy water. That's why I like fishing for them. Yeah, yeah. There's a few in Wales, isn't there? I think mm. there's some dotted around. I think Norfolk might have a few pockets. Yes, but that's right. There's... It makes you think how many tucked away farm ponds mm. might just be just holding a... some, you know. Yes. Some out there. But I think, I think yes, I think as far as um, them as a separate species or, 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 or separating them, yeah. As a you know, I, I, I fish for wildies or, or I fish for common carp or I just fish for you know that um I don't They're all Saprinus carp, yeah. Yeah, they're all they? carp. Yeah. Yes. And mm. it, but it is nice when you get a, tr- a true as it were like an old monastery pond like like the one in uh, that was the place I used to fish which, which I called Abbotsmere in, in my first book was near it was near Liswen in in just in the middle of the Black Mountains really on on the east side of the Black Mountains, called the Deru. Its real name was the Deru, it was a farm. And they, they, they had been there since the monastery was made. Wow. You know, and so it was, it was an old, um, a- ancient lineage. Yeah. And they, they were fabulous fish, and um, they were the epitome of, to me. Of, of, and I never caught one of the big ones, but I did see them. They must have been 12 pounds. Okay, that's big for a, for mm, a, for a wild, for a wild yeah. carp, as we mm. obviously say. Richard Pudney says, does Chris still have the deer stalker he wore in A Passion for Angling? Um, I think I have a terrible feeling. Um, my, I think my children used it. I, um, We've got this horrible plane just going over oh now, God, which is yeah, always ideal when you're trying to record yeah. audio. They seem to seem to know this in home yeah. and there'll be a lawnmower next and yeah. then uh, someone no, will I, be... I, yeah, I, I think no, the worst thing... The worst thing is a strimmer. Yes. Oh God, they're a bastard, aren't they? <laughs> I, I, if I if I was the prime minister, I w- I wouldn't. Um, when when Chris, think positive. <laughs> ban strimmers. Yeah. <laughs> ban strimmer, strimmers and, and 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 hoovers. I hate hoover. The sound of a hoover in, in the morning is one of the worst. Yeah. In the world. Yeah, it is. We should be all right for hoovers. Mm. Yeah. Where we are, what you. Yeah. Uh, any me- you know. any mechanical device <laughs> makes that sort of monotonous sound. It's enough to. Oh. Drive you to, um, I was going to say bream, but I, I quite like bream. Yeah, yeah. No. I, used to say, I, I used to be quite dismissive about bream, but I. They get a bad rap, don't they? they but do. you know what? You yeah. know, a 10 pound bream is an impressive animal. Oh, absolutely. Especially you know. from a river. Yeah, oh, God, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, I really sort of, um, I, I think I was missing something when I used to sort of turn my nose up at them. But um, no, I, nowadays, I'm, I'm river bream like well like river tench is yeah. another one you know, yeah. that i'd never really experienced before but i now i'm now i've experienced the river tench That's this it. is good this is all right, this, there's they? always something new exactly. to discover exactly uh we'll circle back around to deer stalker oh sorry <laughs> sorry yes sorry the deer stalker it it was um it was put on a on a guy one november the 5th and uh, I think that's what happened to it. I'm, I can't be absolutely certain, but I think it was the um, it was the it was the garden bonfire. Oh really? So yeah, there's a pile of ash it, somewhere, yeah, and that's a pile where of it ash is. somewhere. <laughs> it, it was it was a bit mouse-eaten, and okay. it was it was yeah, no one would, except me would want to put it on their head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to horribly pronounce this name, but Tajni uh, Ribovlovluk. That's not how you say it, but sorry about that. We, we all know that many anglers would love to spend a day fishing with Chris, but if he could choose any one past or present to spend a day with on the bank, who would it be and why? Oh, well, I've spent I've spent a day on the bank with so many... The great and the good, haven't you, yes, really? I mean, so... like Bernard, for instance, Bernard Venables, yeah, who was yeah. a wonderful character to fish with. I would like to have spent a day on the bank with BB, 
Dennis okay. Watkins Pitchford, who wrote okay. Confessions of a Carp Angler. Okay. And he was a wonderful naturalist in, uh, in his own right. And yeah. wrote some, also wrote some very famous children's books ah. around the sort of 40s and 50s. He won the Carnegie Medal with one of them, The Little Grey Men. And I would, I would have loved... I did know, know him. I, I met him several times, spent time by his pond in his garden <laughs> talking about Beechmere and Redmire, yeah. which he fished back in the 50s. But, uh, yeah, I would like to a fish with BB, I Okay, think. Mm. that's a good answer. So, uh, Tracy Burns goes, is there anything angling-related or not that you would like to talk about but never get the chance to discuss? Because presumably you just get mm. bombarded mm. with passion for angling and big yes, carp. big carp. Yes, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to talk about big carp anymore. No. <laughs> um, and, and and bigness also. I don't want to talk about bigness. That's no, okay. The, you know, it's What's the smallest o- fish you want to highly catch? Highly overrated. <laughs> Um, oh, like today, we're not catching mm, monsters, but it's no, great fun. No, the, the quality of, of a fishing day is measured by the atmosphere, by the company, perhaps. You don't know, uh, although company's not, I, I'm, I'm a bit of a solitary, actually. Yeah. It, but it is, the, it is the company that I'm looking forward to, like the company of, like today, you know, we saw that hobby. Yeah. I saw a king, kingfisher just now going across me. Oh, lovely. That kind of company, you yeah. know, a grass snake comes and says hello, a vole, a water vole. Yeah. All this, all these things. Th- this is what, um, to me, um, that's how you should measure success in a day. What, what creatures, what, what um, evidence of wilderness there is around you. Yeah. And then if you catch a fish on top of that, it's just a bonus. Yeah. No, definitely. I'm finding, I guess, because I work in wildlife filmmaking, that I'll often see more when I'm fishing because I'm just in the same spot all day, and you're mm. a bit more, I don't know, aware of your. Because if you're looking at a float all day, you're mm. not really always taking it in but it's um yes yes sometimes you can be too concentrated yeah although it, at least it it means that you become invisible yeah that yeah and that's yeah. a lot of a lot of anglers don't seem to still don't get that mm. you, know, you can get within six foot of a very wily carp mm. and and the carp just ignores you as long as you do not move even a finger yeah you know, once once it's come to to within you know, right to the edge of the margin, and that's why I can't understand why people want to cast a hundred yards. What is the point <laughs> when all, you can get them under your nose? Always caked in mm. camo as well. When mm. these sort of people chuck, yes. and you're like, why the hell are you in real tree when yeah. uh, you could wear a bright red jumpsuit? And it'd make bugger all different. Yes, but, absolutely. You could have flashing. Know. You could cover yourself in Christmas flashing <laughs> Christmas lights, and it wouldn't make any difference. But when they're that close to you, yeah, you, know, you just have to be in something you know, pretty. Yeah, dark, as long as you're wearing something darkish or greenish, yeah. um, you don't have to cover yourself in leaves, but, but there they are. And, yeah. can, and, and so to be able to watch their behaviour, to watch mm. their reactions um, to, to things other than you, to other than anglers, and you, you really um, do discover their character then. Yeah, no, definitely. And right on cue, another another bloody, another bloody plane. We think, need a couple of anti-aircraft carriers. I think it's the Battle of Britain. <laughs> it's, 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 it's sort of one of those days, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Battle Which is, you know, it's a Messerschmitt. You're right. It is. It's, it's, it's the Germans because we've just beaten them at football. Oh, they're coming back. They're yeah, they're coming back. It's a Stuka. <laughs> it's not a Messerschmitt. It'll go over in a second. Mm. Well, I'm on my last question anyway, so hopefully people can hear over this. Uh, god-awful plane that's doing it but this is Kimberly Burns question and she asks knowing that fishing has been a lifelong love affair has there ever been a season in your life when it's lost its charm and appeal? Kimberly that's a very interesting question because I'm I'm just having as it were um, I'm having time out at the moment see I'm the only one here who's not fishing today yeah um, and certainly since the lockdown which didn't 
um, impact on me at all because I live in a beautiful remote part of the country and I could spend the whole day walking about and, and uh, I wouldn't be getting in the way of anybody because I wouldn't see anybody. So it didn't, it didn't have any effect on me. But I was more interested in what was going on that winter, that first winter, because of my discovery, my recent discovery of the hen harrier, which is, which is a bit like my discovery of, of carp in the first place. Yeah. It, I have... The, the, more, behind, more hen having more hen going on behind me. Kicking so up. I bet that's a grass snake going it through its It could be. It's eating, yeah. its, eating its chicks. Yeah. Yes, I, um, I, I've always been quick to become obsessed by something that really attracts my attention uh, and something with, which has got a bit of extra quality a bit of magic about it something as, as an, old, an old poacher I used to know who, who would say that, that bird got away from me but he'd had a bit of God in him he had a <laughs> bit of God in him and although I don't believe in a God that's, what, that's, that's a nice way of putting it yeah. those creatures that have a bit of God in them uh, <laughs> is like the carp and the barbel and the tench and definitely the hen harrier. Yeah, they're they're a m- mysterious creature, wonderful, wonderful bird, and and I've become hooked on them now. Yeah, they are something special. So that's them, th- that's my um, that's my focus at the moment. Yeah, and I, I'll, I'll come back to fishing. It can't, you know, it's been a lifelong thing. So, but at the moment, I'm having a bit. Of, I'm just withdrawn a little bit, and I quite like the fact that I don't have to fiddle around <laughs> when I want when I'm going out. Because when you when you're fishing, you have to fiddle about and faff. Yeah. All that preparation, I don't have to do that anymore. I just right. got my binoculars. I've got a, you know an apple, a banana. <laughs> I jump in my car, perhaps, or mostly I just set out over the hills. So there's there's nothing gets in my way, and I'm gone until dark. And um, so that's where I am at the moment. The other thing, which is I've been told uh, under pain of death, not to mention when this book is coming out as well, but by not fishing. Mm. It's giving you a little bit more time to, yeah, uh, that, that, to get that done uh, yeah, as well. Yeah, one, one has to say, yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because yeah. <laughs> that, that is a very good reason why I shouldn't be fishing anyway yeah. at the moment or doing anything other than... Finish. The book was, was um, commissioned in 2013. <laughs> right, OK. So um, and it, 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 was, it was hoped to be published two years later. Yeah. And we're now, yeah, we're now quite a long way down yeah. that road. But yeah. I've got a, I've got such a nice publisher. Yeah, and yeah. Um, and I send him a chapter every month or two, but it's only up to chapter twelve so far. Okay. And so it's been very slow. I didn't know which way to go with it, but now I, it, it has its direction. It's found its direction, and the and and my publisher, he is a, he is my publisher though. He would say this, but he said it's the best thing I've ever done. Oh, fantastic! But it's it's not going to be a it's not going to be like a fishing book. But it's bit like Nightwalk. Yeah, it, okay. it was him who published Nightwalk. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, which um, which has had a good reaction. I'm very happy to say. Even which which publisher are you are you doing it with? William Collins. William Collins. Okay. Who were good because they um you know they do the bird guides. Yeah. So it's quite appropriate. Of course way. they do. Yeah. Mm. I was trying to think where have I heard that before. Mm. So yeah. I mean they do a lot of fiction. They yeah. Do children's books. They they did some. They have done some very good fishing books. They did. Um, they did the reprint of um, Deepening Pool, my okay. Barbel book. Um, so yes, they. Um, anyway, that book will be done. Yeah, eventually. watch this space. Watch mm, this space. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> but don't you know? Don't start expecting it anytime no. <laughs> yeah. very soon. You'll <laughs> catch up with George R. R. Martin, won't you? Yeah. His Game of Thrones books. He's always <laughs> yeah. got a, a little bit of a of a mm. gap. Well, look, it is a pleasure, and it's a shame to waste a day like this nattering at a bench. I think we mm. should. Uh, maybe see some more fish caught and fingers crossed Mm. for a grass snake. But Mm. thanks for taking the time, Chris, and coming on. Pleasure. 
I've been lucky that through my career and, and the podcast, I've spoken to all kinds of people from different walks of life, but I've never hung off someone's every word like Chris. And I'll be honest, I wasn't a super fan of his. It wasn't that I didn't like him. It was just, you know, I wasn't obsessive. But he was just amazing to chat to and incredibly friendly because he must get it all the time. But he really took the time to chat to me. Um, and it was great. Really, really enjoyed it. He did mention doing another podcast looking for Hen Harry, so I think I'll have to arrange that with him. So absolutely great to finally meet him and have a good natter. Don't forget you can follow us on Twitter, at TitBearded, and there's the Facebook page, The Bearded Tits Podcast. Next week, I have Professor Sheena Cruikshank as we talk all about the parasites that like to call the human body home. Maybe don't listen if you're having your tea. This has been the Bearded Tits podcast. I've been Jack Perks, and I'll catch you next week. Cheers. <laughs>